Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. This, this song that we sang for the very first time, And Can It Be. It's a, it's, it's a great song, but remember that every song has a sermon in it. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk a little bit about the song. Now at 10 o'clock on Sundays, that's what I do typically. We have a couple of songs and we talk about one of the songs because every song has a songwriter. And that writer has a life and a history, and there's a reason they were called by God to, to sing certain songs. And at the same time, songs have a sermon. Often some of the best sermons I've ever, I've, ever, uh, I've, ever, I've ever heard are actually uh, songs. They're actually from the songs themselves. Some of these songs are just amazing, and this is, this is one of them. But we're going to tell a story also, a story from the Bible. Now, you've heard of the Good Samaritan, right? You've all heard of the Good Samaritan. Uh, uh, the Good Samaritan, there was a man, remember, there was a man traveling on his way to, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he falls among some thieves, and they leave him half dead. You know the story, right? Um, there's a priest that walks by, and then a Levite, and finally a Samaritan comes by. A Samaritan comes by and is able to, to help the man and be able to provide for him. Well, this is not the story of the Good Samaritan. There's another Samaritan that's referenced by Jesus in the Bible, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay, but first, let's go to the song. Okay, the song is pretty cool. Um, the song, the sermon is a, is, is a song and a story. The song was written by Charles Wesley. For those of you that weren't around when Charles Wesley was around, that was in the 1730s. Okay, anybody here? No, <laughs> a, little, a little before your time. Charles was the younger brother of John Wesley. John Wesley is well known because he started the Methodist, Methodist Church, the Methodist Church. Now, neither Charles Wesley nor John Wesley were interested in starting a church. They were Anglicans. They were the Church of England. But both Charles and John had a passion, had a passion, and they saw people that weren't living out the life that they felt they should. God's mercy is immense, and his grace is free. That's what the song says. And they wanted people to be able to, to really identify what that was. And when they were in college, they started a group called the Holy Club. Can you imagine being in a Holy Club today? You would be ridiculed by your friends. Are you kidding? You're walking back from class. You're in the Holy Club. Well, good for you. But they started the Holy Club. And it was because of the Holy Club that they started being called Methodists. Because there was a method to what they were doing. They believed that true holiness, there was a practice of holiness. A, a, a practice of the presence of God. That's what Brother Richard said. So Brother Andrew said. So the idea was that they felt that there was a method that they had to follow. And as a result, they started calling them Methodists. Now, one of the things that John Wesley was also known for was outdoor preaching. He, uh, he loved tent revivals, and he brought basically the gospel all across the United States. He was one of the great pioneers of what we know as modern evangelism. He, he didn't think that religion was something that you needed to practice in private. That religion, a true relationship with God, was something you needed to do in public. And that's why, that's why he and his brother were so famous, and that's why Charles Wesley wrote so many songs. In fact, he wrote over 6,500 hymns. Can you imagine? So I don't think I know 6,500 hymns. I don't think I've sung 6,500 hymns. But, but 6,500 hymns Charles Wesley wrote. So let's go to the story. Let's go to the story. Because the story I'm going to talk about is also about a Samaritan. And it's in the story of the ten lepers. So let's read it. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem 
that he passed, this is Jesus, through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went and they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. See, I told you, there was a Samaritan in this. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any who found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So we're going to look at these eight verses today. Just eight verses, but there's, there's so much in these eight verses. There's so much that we can learn. So let's take it verse by verse and see how it goes. So first of all, it says, As he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers. Now, it's not unusual at all for lepers to stay together. They had no other friends. That's the only people they could hang out with. Uh, the, the Bible made it clear that they needed to stay at a distance, and that's what it says. It says they kept a distance because they were forbidden by law and custom to come near to those who were sound for fear of infecting them. The Jewish people in the Bible understood infectious diseases. This was an infectious disease. In Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, listen to what it says. This sounds very harsh. It says, anyone with such a defiling disease, this is leprosy, must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they must, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside of the camp. So this is exactly why these ten men are together. There's no, they have no other friends. They can only hang out together. They're wearing ragged clothing, okay? They're, they've, they've got um, clothing over their face. They're wearing tattered clothing. And as a result, they're calling, them, they're calling out unclean, but they do, clean, climb out clean, uh, they do cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. So let's go to the next verse. It says, as they lifted up their voices, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They came to Jesus together and they prayed together. That's a prayer. When you ask Jesus for mercy, that's, that's a prayer. That's a wonderful prayer. You know, regardless of the original backgrounds, they may have been a mixed group of Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles, but they found themselves together. They had a common illness, and as a result, they had a common request. Their request was, have mercy on us. And you know, really, that theology is perfect. It's, it's a wonderful prayer. God, have, have mercy on us. You see, we're, we're all sinners. We're, we all need to appeal to God's mercy. In, in, in Psalm 51, there's a story of David. David, who had sinned, had seen Bathsheba. Remember, David was up on the porch, and he looked down, and there was Bathsheba taking a bath. We can only imagine. He should have turned his head, but instead, he looked at Bathsheba, wanted her, brought her into his household, and then he had to kill her husband, Uriah. So David had dirt, dirty hands. And when, the, and when the prophet told him about that, David cried out to God for mercy. In Psalm 51 it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. David understood that it was God that could provide mercy, even though he had sinned. He had committed a horrible sin. He had had, he had a, a woman's husband killed in order that he could have her for himself, that his sin would be covered. 
but the prophet knew because Jesus, because God knew. But, God, but, but David cried out to God for mercy. In Psalm 47, it says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, to those who hope in his mercy. Now, what's interesting and what's even more surprising is Jesus' response. Because Jesus doesn't have much of a conversation with them. He says, go show yourself to the priest. They still have leprosy. There was a process in the book of Leviticus that if anybody th thought they were being cleansed, if they, they were unsure of their leprosy, they could go to the priest. The priest kind of served as, a, as a, uh, a health inspector. You know, they didn't have health inspectors in Israel. They, they had only the priests. And the priests were skilled at being able to determine a scab from a leprous sore. They were able to determine whether the blotch on your head was, was just a blotch or whether it was actually leprosy. And they would be able to determine whether you were clean or unclean. Well, these, these lepers are unclean. They have leprosy. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests. They were the only people, the priests were the only ones who were able to determine whether a leper was actually clean or unclean. Now, it's remarkable that Jesus told them to go while they were still unclean. We know that they were still unclean because it says along the way they discovered that they were made well. So they were unclean at the time, but they, they did something. They, they went. Um, in the book of Romans, by the way, it tells us exactly why Jesus did this. It says, God is the one that can call things that are not as though they were. God can speak about future events as if they had already happened. And why is that? Because God is God. He's the only one that can call future events past. Because in his world, they are sure to happen. They have already happened in God's economy. God called Abraham the father of many nations when Sarah was still barren. But he called Abraham the father of many nations. The Bible says that we as believers have been raised with Christ. Well, you may not feel like that, but that's what Christ says of us. We're raised with Christ. Speaking of the resurrection as if it's already happened. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says that we've already been blessed in Christ with all heavenly blessings. You may not feel like it, but that's what... Jesus says about you. He says you've already been blessed with all spiritual blessings. So Jesus says, go yourself, go, show yourself to the priests. However, there's a condition in this, right? They had to actually go. They actually had to believe what Jesus had said and turn and, and go find a priest. Go find a local synagogue somewhere. Go find where priests are hanging out and show themselves and see if they had actually uh, been made clean. Um, so we continue, verse 14, it says, And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. Now, we knew that before they did, right? Because we're reading past tense. We know what happens. We've read the story before. We know that, but, but they didn't know that. They had, to, they had to do something. Sometimes you need to take a step forward. You need, there's a, there's a part. I mean, we know that it's all God, but sometimes there's something that we ourselves need to do. There's something that we need to participate in in order to get the blessings of God. Jesus is the only one that can really speak these things that be not as though they are because he is the son of God. He's, Jesus is the Emmanuel, the great I am. He's the second person of the Trinity. But let's go on. Verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down in his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. See, there's only one that came back. This is the point of the story. There's only one that came back. There were ten that were cleansed, but, but...
but one came back. One recognized it was the mercy of God that had delivered him from this crippling disease. And see, this is now how we see it fits. Isn't this amazing? This is how it fits with the song. This is exactly what Charles Wesley was singing about. Let's go to the song. It says, the song says, "'Tis mercy all immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me." You see, if, if you understood what leprosy is, you could see exactly why this man came back to praise God. I mean, this was, this was a horrible disease. Let me give you a little lesson in, in health care. Many have thought that leprosy to be a disease of the skin. It wasn't discovered until the 19th century that it's actually a bacterium. They called it the bacterium lepra. lepra. Leprosy is spread by human contact. That's why these people were outcasts. They, they, if they touched their husband, their, their wife, their children, their neighbors, their friends, it was easy for those to contact the same disease. If their clothing that they wore was worn by somebody else, the disease from the clothing would affect somebody else. Its symptoms start in the skin and the nervous system, then spread to other parts, such as the hands, the feet, the face, the earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement. Their arms, their hands, their legs, their feet get twisted. Their fingers are curled, forming a claw. The nose loses its cartilage, collapsing into the face, the rest of the face. Tumor-like growths form on the skin and the respiratory tract, making it impossible for them to breathe. The optic nerves deteriorate, making them blind. Worse yet, or maybe at the same time, as the sin progresses, they lose their sense of feeling. And as a result, many would stumble into fires or stumble over stones. They would break bones and not even know it until they were no longer able to walk and they're dragging their leg behind them because they have no feeling, no sense of pain, no sense of hurt. Not a blessing, really a curse. But this is the mercy of God that they appeal to. This is what the leper needed and he sees that on the way Likely, before he even gets to the priest, he discovers that he's been made clean. He recognizes that the one Jesus, who was said to be the Messiah, who was this miracle worker, had spoken a word, and he's made clean. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The cry was heard by the one that could actually provide the mercy that was needed. The song says it's mercy immense, immense. <laughs> Is that something? It's a word we don't often use, immense, anymore. You know, we use new words. Did you know that there are new words that are added to the English language all the time? In fact, it's kind of funny. At the end of the year, usually there's a story about words that have been added into the, to the dictionary. And one of them I use. I have to admit, I use some of these words. One of the words that's, that you use instead of immense is a combination of two words. It's gigantic and enormous. Ginormous. I love that word. You know, if, if Charles Wesley was writing this song today, it would, it would say, Tis mercy all, ginormous and free, for oh my God, it found out me. But the story's not over. Let's look at verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who return to give glory to God except this foreigner and then he said to him arise go your way your faith has made you well so we step back what happened to the other nine well there's a few 
things in theology that we don't want to say. We don't want to say that these nine lost their healing. There's no indication here that their healing was lost. There's no indication that this, this one man was so special that he was the only one that got healed. God said, go, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests. And we assume, based on what Jesus said, that all were healed. But only one was filled with true praise and thanksgiving. Only one truly recognized where that healing was coming from. You know, Charles Spurgeon, one of the other great theologians from about 100 years later after Charles Wesley, the 19th century instead of the 18th century, had a quote regarding this very, uh, this very story of, of the lepers. And he said this, he said, external religious exercises are easy. They're easy enough, common enough, but the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart is in thankful love, how scarce that truly is. You see, Charles Spurgeon knew the same thing that John and Charles Wesley knew, that off, too often we substitute a true relationship with God with other things, like going to church, or being a member of a church, or, or participating in some kind of religious ceremony. But participating in a religious ceremony and having a relationship with God are two different things. They're somewhat related, but they're not necessarily related. John and Charles Wesley wanted to make sure that people experience God. That's why we have these types of songs that are full of emotion, so full of change. Nine obeyed ritual. Only one truly praised the Lord. That's what happened to the other nine. We need to be careful that we're not like the other nine. That happens often. The New Testament gives us very little ritual that we can hold on to. There's really only two rituals in the New Testament. One is the Lord's Supper, communion, or the Eucharist. We celebrate it monthly here. And we are very careful to try to celebrate that in honor to the way that it was presented. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a reenactment of not only the Last Supper, but also the Passover that the Jews, that the Jews celebrate. And the other one is baptism. I'm still waiting for my first baptism, by the way, from the people at, at, at Windsor. It's going to happen. Okay, there's a swimming pool down there. I'm still waiting for that first baptism. But those are the only two rituals we have. You see, all the other things about going to church, that's not the main point. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, uh, Carol's mom and dad uh, were founding members of a Presbyterian church, a beautiful little church on, in the suburbs of Chicago. Beautiful church. And many people found God there. I, I'm positive of that. But here's the thing. We have to be careful because even if you're a founding member of a church, even if you're a member of a church, that's not going to save you. The thing that's going to save you is this relationship to, with Jesus Christ. And it really starts off the same way that these lepers started off. They cry out to God. You see, we may not look like we have leprosy, but quite frankly, the sin that entangles us and ensnares us is just like leprosy. It, it blinds us. It makes us impervious to pain. There's, we go through life and not understanding that we're dragging our body behind us, just like the lepers did. We need the mercy of God, and we need to cry out sometimes to, to God. God has shown us mercy and kindness. Our relationship with Jesus changes our lives. You might not use this word, but the Bible does. We're literally born again. We're, we're changed. We're, the, in 1 Corinthians it says, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Christ's death on the cross is sufficient. Now, if you don't know what sufficient means, I'll tell you what insufficient is. It's a true story. Okay? I had a, I had a 64 Comet. Remember the little Comets, little Mercury Comets? It was a beautiful little car. And my grandmother was visiting us in Chicago. And she had come and, and I wanted to see my, take my grandmother for a ride in the car. So I put her in the car and the gas tank said that I had sufficient gas. 
I started driving down there. It's an old car, you know. I'm driving down the road, ran out of gas. The gas was insufficient to take my grandmother for a ride and get her back to my house. I had to leave her in the car and go get gas. Very embarrassing. That's insufficient. But Christ is not like that. Christ's death on the cross was sufficient for our salvation. It's, it's all we need is, is Christ. Let's go to the song again. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Wonderful song. Don't think of church membership as something that saves you. It's not going to do it. Don't think of church religion as something that's going to save you. It's nothing but, but Jesus Christ. The song says this. It says, No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. See, the Bible says in Romans 8.1 that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's wonderful news. That's amazing news. That's why we sing the song. Lastly, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting, that kind of question. Because I thought it was Jesus speaking the words that made him well. And I thought that as the man went, he activated that faith or something happened and, and he was made well. Just like all the other nine. So what is, what is Jesus talking about here? Don't, I don't think he's indicating again that the other leper's healing was temporary or that this man was unique and that his faith and because of that he healed. Take a look at the words that Jesus uses. And I hate doing this sometimes because this is not a Greek and Hebrew lesson, but there's a word that Jesus uses that we use often, and the word is sozo. And sozo is a word for healing. It's also a word for being saved. And sozo is the idea of wholeness. Exactly the kind of wholeness that a leper needs, where things are restored. And you see, that's exactly what happens in our relationship with God. God gives us sozo. He gives us wholeness. The understanding that we are made free in Christ, that it's no longer about what I do, it's about what Christ has already done for us. Romans 10.9 says that if you, if you uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And that word saved is the same word here that's translated healed. It's sozo. It's to make, to make whole. That's why our song ends with this verse. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? You see, it's, it's the mercy of God, this grace of God that truly saves us, allowing us to boldly approach the throne of God. We don't need an intermediary. The Jewish people had priests that they had to go to that would offer sacrifices for them. There's no need for that priesthood anymore. We can boldly go to God and just cry out, God, have mercy on me. We could say, praise the Lord, and God will hear us. It's a, it's a prayer. We can boldly go where the Israelites couldn't go. Remember when even Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he, he put a fence around Mount Sinai. Can you imagine fencing off Mount Sinai? But he fenced it off because even if the people got too close to the mountain, they would die. Because God and Moses and the mountain were holy and the people were not. They couldn't boldly approach the throne of God. They couldn't boldly go where Moses was going. We're not like that. We have fellowship with God. 
God's grace is sufficient for us. We can call God the Father, Abba, uh, our Daddy, somebody that's close to us. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die You've been for listening me. to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.